They say everyone has a book inside them, and often that's where it should stay. I really can't help but be aghast that the author wants you to pay. But we're just a pair of absolute bookends who don't want to be like us. So if you want to read, pick some quality literature rather than this dross. Hello, welcome to Two Absolute Bookends, where we read books so bad you should burn them before reading. This is episode 9, Gleeful Gulps and Simmering Chuckles. And drinking a Katarina Ale with me and being himself is Louis. Hello there. And this week, we're reading chapter 9 of The Way the Stars Fall Rebirth by Louis Stockton. Please support the author and read his other works. So, Louis, what happened this week? So, uh, in this chapter, Jack and his crew flee from the space station and manage to fight off the pursuing ships. Well, apparently all of them, but we'll get into that. Uh, mm-hmm. After escaping, they decide to head to the insurrectionist base in search of answers to what's going on. And along the way, Jack and Tona's relationship reaches new levels as uh, things turn hot and steamy. Um, they fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, the last chapter ended with the uh, with Jack and the ITF tran- Tranquility escaping the state space station fifty eight. Mm-hmm. Was it combat deep space combat observatory okay. station fifty eight at that point? I think that's right. Yeah, it's something like that anyway. Apparently they've they've been hunted uh, by three cruisers and 50 fighter ships for arms, um, which is ours, as we know, Mm -hmm. obviously. I like how um, the the ship is, like, shaking because of, I I assume, it's under fire. They they must have... What a terrible crew and, like, ship in general that it's sending, like, the crew to the ground in many cases. Like... I mean, Jack's able to hold on to his chair, his trusty leather chair. Well, I just yeah. love, like, that it's that they're so unstable that they ha- they keep getting thrown around. Also, how are they getting battered so hard, and yet, like, that micron of dust destroyed them earlier on? I I've got no idea. Yeah, that that seemed odd to me too. Just like, like, like I don't know. I, I guess it's all it's all make believe, so it can work however the author wants. But I'm just trying to imagine, like. What kind of like futuristic ship-sized kinetic barrier they could, they must have that you know is stopping these things from like tearing their ship apart, but is still like transferring enough force that inside this force field the ship's being just like bounced around and shook all over the place. It's like what's happening? <laughs> I, li- I like how they're being chased for arms, and Jack, after arms, says. Like, why are they still following us? And someone please turn off that alarm. Because there's an alarm going off. Like, it took him hours to, like, shout, turn that alarm off. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like to imagine they had been boiling away inside him for those two hours, just this alarm going. It's like, no one else wanted to touch it. It's like, Jack's just like, Dah, turn it off. You know, is, the first hour was okay, but the second hour has been intolerable. Is I've had point, enough. Is that the point of alarm? To just turn it off rather than be alarmed <laughs> by it? It's supposed to, like... Warn you of something. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be alerting them of something, but what? That they're being followed? That they're yeah. being fired upon? Like, 
I'm pretty sure that whatever it's warning them, they've known for like two hours now. <laughs> so I'm not sure why they've just had it beeping constantly in the background. Especially in like the command centre of the ship, you know. It's not like they're warning people out in the furthest sort of like corners of the ship. They're like, shit's going down, get somewhere safe. This is like in the middle where they're like planning and flying everything. And they're still being like deafened by this massive alarm going off. Uh, yeah, I like the description of uh, the torpedoes as like a slow-moving bullet being fired from a gun-powered-based projectile weapon. That's, like, so specific. Yeah, that is quite the tortured simile there. Why not say gun? Yeah, just... <laughs> it's just like like a slow-moving bullet from... <laughs> Like, uh, basically say, like a slow-moving bullet fired from a gun that fires bullets. Yeah. So, so like, like imagine a gun firing bullets like that, but slower. <laughs> That's what these torpedoes are doing. It's like... Just so specific, it's like, like a gunpowder-based projectile weapon. Just... Yep. My God. Yeah, and it gets me like, you know, like, there. it seems like that now they've left and are able to fight back, that the station's really, like, come down on them in force, you know. It's, like, sent, like, 50 uh, fighters and three crews. It's, like, like God knows how many men that must add up to, like... Yeah, where were these men like, on the station? <laughs> exactly. Like, even if these people were, like, entirely pilots and not trained to be, like, besieging the ship, why weren't they already, like, outside of the station, like, basically uh, blockading the yeah, Tranquility Inn so yeah. it couldn't escape and do exactly this? Why are they suddenly, like, so on the ball and serious now that, you know, Jack's escape is escaping, basically? <laughs> yeah, you know, after like... arms as well, like, still chasing him. Exactly, and we know that, like, Jack was in his cell for, like, an hour or so before escaping... <laughs> So it's like, what? What were all these people doing? What was the entire station doing <laughs> for the for like the hour that the last few chapters occurred? It happened. Yeah. So as I as I said, they um, the ITF Tranquility fires torpedoes at these ships that are following them, and it manages to destroy three of them. We're we're told in quite a lot of detail how they're destroyed. One is mm-hmm. hit straight on the nose. One is. Uh, hit on its port side but then like another ship like one of the one of the three turns into that ship and like cuts it cuts it like a hot knife through butter and then the last torpedo finishes them off mhm i don't know what that last guy was thinking no. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was drunk <laughs> yeah I just he was like, "Oh shit, torpedoes!" I know, but he'll never expect I'll escape through my other ship. <laughs> yeah, like what? What I wonder, like, is this the first time that they've fired their guns in two hours? Uh, I think so. Because, like, this is like suddenly like very decisive. It's just like you know, they finally fire their torpedoes and. All of the ships apparently are, de- are destroyed. And it's like yay, woo! Just like, and it's like you know, like, and it's like it makes a point of like Hollister like walks across the room and presses some buttons, and it's like it's like oh, and we we looked and we could see like the torpedoes leaving the ship. Like, I'm not sure why they had a view screen just like 
angle down to show the ports of the torpedoes leaving the ship so <laughs> yeah. that they could see them being fired out. Just just everyone like going, ooh, look at them. But yeah, it's... I was like, so have they just been running, getting fired upon, shook about? And then suddenly, you know, after Jack cuts out the alarm, suddenly, you know... I've had enough of this. Let's fire the torpedoes finally, like hours later. Exactly. Like, finally, after, like, the alarm's off, Hollister can finally think, and he's like, wait a second, I could just fire one of the many, many, many guns this ship has and destroy the ships chasing us. Which they, he does, and again, like, utterly wrecks them, just like, immediately. One thing I don't get is that, like, as you said, the entire bridge cheers as they get destroyed, and Jack's like, oh, I'm glad that's over. It was described earlier that there's three cruisers and 50 fighter ships. Where are the, where are the other 50 fighter ships? Yeah, because I'm assuming these were the three cruisers that got mm. wrecked, like, not really based on anything, aside from the fact that they seem to be, like, the same size ship. Yeah. And, where... that, and fighters seems to imply something pretty small. How is it like, over now that the just the three crews are, are destroyed? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the fighters went home. Maybe yeah. they uh, like to legitimise it and, uh, and do some, like, thinking that the book isn't doing for us. Like, maybe... Like, fighters will be, like, pretty short-range things. So, like, maybe with, like, the cruisers, which I'm guessing they could probably dock on Gorn, Mm -hmm. they basically had to head back to the space station or, you know, they wouldn't have enough fuel or whatever to be able to get back. I don't understand how... I mean, I get get that this new tranquility is supposed to be, like, a super battleship, but, Mm -hmm. like, 50 fighter ships and three cruisers couldn't do anything to it. Like Well, it shook it and apparently a bit later Jack's like it's like, Oh, we got all this damage erupting around us. So it has been damaged a bit, but it I seems so. like they could have just like immediately ended it and but, probably not gotten damaged so they, if anyone had yeah. thought. How terrible are these cruisers that it's like one torpedo absolutely destroyed. Like one of them when it gets hit detonates into a ball of blue blue plasma leaving the ship's carcass to float through space lifelessly. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely wrecked. Just Yeah, just like 100% casualty com- rate, just A complete gone. husk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, uh, it's like, I don't know if like these things are just really shit or if the tranquility's really overpowered at this point of the story. Mm-hmm. When it's all over, I like how it says, Jack relaxed into his chair. I don't know if this is the same in your book, but chair is capitalised, like there's a capital C. Yeah, me too. Well, the chair's a character, it's his name. Yeah, I like to think, you know, when, when you have write God, it's always capitalised. <laughs> well, this is chair, yeah. capital C. There are many other chairs. But this is the chair. <laughs> yes, I I love, like, uh, like, Jack's sort of, like, big complaint about space battles. Just like, space battles were the worst. Not just the unpredictability of it, but also the fact that any of the explosions could resu- could kill anyone in the ship. 
And then he goes on to tell a little anecdote of back when the ship was a transport, a pirate fleet had attacked them and one such explosion had occurred on the bridge, killing several people, including the helmsman. Like, that's very important to him. Yeah. Like the fact that he lost this unnamed helmsman has like really hit him hard. It's like Jack had to hire the current helmsman, who he also hasn't bothered to name. Clearly this one doesn't mean as much to him. He hated having to hire new members after ones had died. That is such a pain. <laughs> that is such an inconvenience for Jack that his captainship got his people killed and he had to hire more guys. Oh, what a caring dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing he thought of like after that huge thing, that huge battle. Like, oh, I'm going to have to hire new ones now. <laughs> yeah, it's like... And and after this battle, it's like, ugh, it's like, I can finally relax. I'm not going to have to hire anybody new. Thank God. Interviews are the worst. (laughs) So, yeah, this this puts back into context, like, way back in in Chapter 3, where Jack was like, I try not to lose anybody on a job, but casualties happen, and that's unavoidable. The only way to make their death worthwhile is to make sure the job is done and done right. It's like, and get super pissy when they die. It's like, I like how that's what Jack says about losing crew members. What he thinks is, fuck, that's such a pain. Yeah, I don't understand his attitude or like his experience in terms of combat because it, it also says that he, uh, you know, Hollister's like, what, what are we going to do now, now that's over? And he's like, I don't know. Um, because apparently he was not used to the action. He was a transport captain, not a battleship captain. But he just told an anecdote about how he was in a fight with like some a pirate fleet, and mm-hmm. wasn't there also another time when he defended the the space station fifty eight and that's and then he got their ship refitted because as like a reward for defending is that right yeah that's right that's, yeah that's exactly what happened, <laughs> but apparently yeah. now he's like, "I don't know what's going on. this is new like- to me." I've got no idea what's going on. I'm not used to the pressure of being a battleship captain. But Hollister... Okay, just like, yeah, this is our hero. Like, when compared to Hollister again, we get unflappable, efficient Hollister. And then we get Jack going, I don't know, I'm not used to this. Hollister's always so calm. It's like, literally anyone on the bridge tell me what I should do next, because I've got no idea. May I add, and thank God for Corporal Franks, who I checked is never mentioned by name again in the entire book. Yeah, it's odd that like <laughs> he gets a name drop, and yet everyone out like that helmsman, nothing. He died yeah. for nothing. Like he's done that a lot. Like I remember that. Like I know, a, was it a not a navigation officer, but some other officer was named once again, just that once in an earlier chapter as well. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why just? It's like, you know, that if you're yeah, surely the whole point of of doing this is to flesh it out and make the ship seem more alive, give, you know, these people more like character and story. But he never does anything with it. He never does anything to humanize them. He just gives them a name and seems to think that that'll make, you know, the story seem more alive and fluid and nuanced. But that's the thing like like, and I remember, this happens a lot uh, throughout the book, you know, you'll be introduced to a character, sometimes you'll get sort of like a sentence or so, a backstory, and then nothing will never be mentioned again. <laughs> you know, there's no sense of continuity to it all. <laughs> but thank God that Corporal Franks was like, given the coordinates by the insurrectionists to their base, and apparently only told the captain now, two hours later. 
you would have thought that would have been kind of important information. I, I agree they couldn't have done anything about it until after the ships were gone, but, you know, that's that's some pretty high-level intel there. I would have thought it would have at least warranted going to Hollister or someone higher so they could make a call what to do with this, but mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, like, you know, Jack's, like, so stumped for ideas, he's going to grasp this with both hands, because he has no idea what to do. <laughs> Yeah, as you said, he he basically has no other ideas, so they decide to go ahead and go towards the insurrectionist base. It's kind of uh, I don't know. Why did the insurrectionists give them the coordinates? Uh, because I guess they want to get back to the insurrection, and the fact that they busted them out of prison and are escaping from an imperial yeah. fleet does kind of imply they're, you know, if not on the same side, at least have a common enemy, and, you know, enemy of my enemy, etc. So, you know, I can, like, I also admit that, like, three, like, tortured, uh, like, imprisoned for God knows how long insurrectionists, you know, prisoners, yeah, probably don't have the authority to be giving away (laughs) the the sort of like headquarter location just to a random ship that picked them up like like i know i would sort of like find another bit of ground that they own that's less important and sort of like take the tranquility there and let someone more high up and currently has been inside the organization decide whether they want to take them to the center of their secret hideaway but you know you know, I, I'm not. I'm not the one planning this. It's up mm. to those three insurrectionists. They probably shouldn't have been trusted with that information. I'm surprised they didn't crack under torture. <laughs> Just a a little thing going uh, going back to Jack complaining about people dying when the ship gets hit. Maybe that's why you shouldn't have the fucking bridge stuck on the top of the ship behind a layer of fucking glass. Maybe if you didn't fucking do that, you wouldn't have people die each time the ship's fucking hit in a firefight. Maybe that would help a little bit. Maybe you wouldn't risk as the captain just be dying and being sucked out into space every time a missile hits the front of the ship. But again, you know, I, I didn't design how, these ships. How else are you going to see what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, d- despite the fact they constantly make mention of the fact that they have few screens yeah. <laughs> that they bring up and use to see various things For that they can't reason. see through the glass. <laughs> they even have, like, a shutter on the window that then just projects what the window would have shown you. Like, just don't have the window. Yeah, and, and remember, we found out that the ship's covered in portholes as well, like a fucking submarine. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, like in- <laughs> I like to so imagine any- you can open those, like old timey <laughs> ship. Like hello, <laughs> just pop them open. You know, get some of that nice vacuum in your hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really weird, just like turn of phrases throughout the whole book, but particularly in this chapter. Just mm. weird sentences like, um, <laughs> we will travel to the insurrectionist base, set course and put us on a course that does not take us directly there. <laughs> such a, like, I get a bet, like, they were just like, what? <laughs> Are you okay, Jack? <laughs> That's not how you English. <laughs> <laughs> That's also not how you, like, command or navigate. <laughs> take us there, but don't take us there. Okay. And he says, uh, what does this mean? Plot speed for an, a, a soft approach. Am I being stupid there? Is that a phrase? Plot speed? Uh, 
like I'm not I don't think that plot that like plot speed's really appropriate. It's like, you know, you you plot the route but you'd like set the speed, I think. Mm. You, you know, like I'm not sure. I mean, I guess maybe if they were like deciding that like at this part of the journey we're going this speed, then that part we're going that speed, then maybe, but it's still even if that's what he means, it's a very odd way of putting it, though. Yeah, also, I would agree. Also, it says that he rose from his chair with a creak of the old leather, of course. A creak spelled oh, wrong. Yeah, a creak of old leather. <laughs> so, you know, like... So, like, just so just so you could imagine. Imagine, so, like, a little, a little woodland stream of leather. <laughs> a creak of leather. I think we know what the picture's going to be. <laughs> I'm not even sure how I draw that. <laughs> yeah, so abstract. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I think that's too like just no, that's too twisted for my mind to <laughs> plot. I like, and also, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so he he rises from his chair with a creak of old leather and a sigh from his lips. Can you sigh from your lips, like? Well, I, I, think, I think it means that the sigh is passing his lips. So it's like yeah. a sigh from his lips. It's, just, this seems, it's like a fascina- fascination with lips. It's, I don't know. There's a lot of lips in this chapter. You know, yeah. pressing of lips, uh, biting of lips, sighing of lips. A rather oral fixation, I will agree. And one thing that I found funny was he, uh, they, as I said, they wanted to plot speed for a soft approach because they wanted to repair the ship. And he says they don't want to run into any more trouble while we have our pants half away, halfway around our ankles. What does halfway uh, around your ankles mean? When you think about it, like surely it's around your ankles, or yeah, well, is it like round his shins? Halfway I, around his ankles. Yeah, I, I've I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Using a metaphor from an old, like the old chapter, that guy in the. Uh, Pants guard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Memories of pants guard. <laughs> yeah. Live on in this chapter. Pants guard never die. Not in our hearts. Pants down guard. He was full pants guard, down guard, not halfway pants down guard. Yeah. You know, that pants guard doesn't do anything by half measures. No. When he His went... pants are either on or they're off. When he went pants down, he went pants down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, another thing that got uh, that got me when talking about like his decision to go to the Insurrectious, he said the Imperials were not the most helpful race of this dimension, like like race, mm-hmm. like Very like 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 you know they're aliens or sort of like ethnically diverse or I mean ethnically sort of like separate or something like they're like they're not just people, just like ah oh, the imperial race. Also of this what? dimension, like he's only been in it for like yeah, th- those are the only people from this dimension <laughs> yeah. he's met like, and the insurrectionists. To be oh fair. yeah, I guess. But like just... two people, one. I mean, I can see why he thinks the imperials worse because they imprisoned him and the insurrectionists. Did not really anything to him, but the worst in the entire. They made fun dimension. of him in his prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, that it, it's like an understatement, if anything. Like they just they imprisoned him, and like he saw that they let people die in the prison cells, and they attempted attempted rape on Tona. They're not the most helpful. Yeah, Ch- chased him for hours, shooting at his ship. 
not the most helpful race I've come across. <laughs> yeah. Captain Jack, Lord of the Understatement. <laughs> really painting the enemy as like a true villain. Not, not help the not, most helpful yeah. race. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like like a really sort of like Victorian colonial understatement. Like I don't know, like describing the Indian mutiny or something. I was like, those chaps, not the most helpful <laughs> when they rose up in rebellion. <laughs> For some reason, uh, and I just realised this actually. Um, so when he says, "Oh no, no wait." It's just a misalignment of quotation marks that makes it really confusing. Because when, mm-hmm. after he says, I don't want us to uh, run into any more trouble with our pants halfway down our ankles, um, the he lets out a soft chuckle that seems to flow around the bridge. And, like, from in my book anyway, there's no ending quotation mark around, like, the ankles bit. So I thought that that was just a description of Oh yeah, I don't have any any uh, ending quote marks on that either. Do you think his crew are just laughing because he's the like captain? Because it's not funny. <laughs> Probably. Like he he chuckles first, and they're just like, ha ha ha. I don't get. Also, everyone was on his or her last nerves. Like, what's that got to do with? Though what I do like is that now we finally know for certain there are females on the bridge. So they were joining an objectifying toner that time in the second chapter. Yeah. You don't know their sexuality. I mean, I don't, but now I know what gender they identify as at least. Yeah. And I, what can I say? I was curious. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a baldy atmosphere. I'm glad to see that it's such an egalitarian cockpit. And, uh... Yeah, let's not skip over this too quickly, because that was our first chuckle of the week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know what? That makes it time for Chuckle Vision. So, I was like, that's our first chuckle from Jack there. Um, We get another one later on in a fantastic exchange with, uh, with Jack and Toner. We do get a cheeky little smirk from Hollister cropping up later, of all people. <laughs> and and there's some laughs as well, three of them. So, all in all, not, not the, you know, it's a tense time, not the most jovial chapter, but, you know, the, the chuckles we got this chapter were high quality. Yeah, a soft chuckle and a simmering chuckle. Oh, the, these aren't your run-of-the-mill common or garden chuckles. These are like the M&S versions of chuckles. Other mm. supermarkets are available. Yeah, they're they're not sponsoring us, but you know, if you're listening, you know, I'm open to sponsorship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they could sponsor us. Come on, MNS, do the right thing. Uh, guess that's the end of Chuckle Vision. Yep. Two Tune chuckles. in next week. <laughs> DMCA. <laughs> <laughs> It auto like uh, recognizes <laughs> the Chuckle Vision theme. <laughs> Someone specifically made an algorithm that would recognize the Chuckle Vision theme. It, it, it's fine. I'm following Paul and Barry on Twitter now. I'll hit them up if we get DMCA'd. They seem reasonable. <laughs> oh, I bet they're total hard asses. Yeah. Like, no. Chuckle Vision theme is sacrosanct. <laughs> 
like nothing yeah. without at least one of the Chuckle Brothers in it is allowed to use it at all. I got so lost in Chuckle Land, I've lost my train and thought of the chapter. Um, <laughs> well, after after that Chuckle, there's a little description of you know everyone laughs throughout the bridge as we just said chuckles, um, but then there's a, there's a really good sentence. I'm just going to read verbatim because it's so good. Agreed. It is, I just it is quite hard to not because in in order to get around this or to like avoid any more copyright issues, we're obviously trying to read less of the book, but it's quite hard to read short short sort of sections when sentences are like six lines long. <laughs> I mean, but I, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, we we could definitely read paragraphs on the trot, and the way we're using it in a podcast would be under fair use. Like he could he could try and strike it, but he wouldn't win on this one. Yeah. So anyway, this this uh, sentence is: It was hard to be happy when you were trapped in another dimension with a ship that no longer seemed familiar, and everything good in the galaxy was now turned upside down and was the most evil thing to come out of the home world short of the Great War. You're right, Louis. It is hard to be happy when you are trapped in another dimension with a ship that it no longer seemed familiar, and everything good in the galaxy was now turned upside down, was the most evil thing to come out of the home world short of the Great War. I can really identify with that sentiment. That's got to be a t-shirt. That's great. <laughs> I think so that's a little relatable. bit wordy to go on a t-shirt. That's, it's quite long. <laughs> And has no punctuation in it whatsoever. <laughs> and is completely unrelatable. Like he's like capitalised Great War. Is he talking about World War One? That seems <sighs> unlikely. <laughs> uh, mate, well, I'm guessing then this is in a universe where the Great War didn't happen. Or uh, this was. An I even thought this was just war. the far future of our universe. That's what I was thinking would have happened here. Ah, so that the Great War turned into the OK War, and now this is the Great War. Yeah, that's probably true. I'm sure that war's gotten a lot greater, you know, across the centuries. I mean, you know, First World War, that didn't have any spaceships. That's going to make <laughs> the wars amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how many world wars do you reckon it, it will be until there's spaceships? Uh, I mean, probably going to at least have to have colonised some planets to make it worth fighting with spaceships. Ah, uh, you know what? It wouldn't even be a world war at that point. Uh, uh. Well, that, maybe that's... But this doesn't say world war, though. This says great war, so that's still okay. True. True. You know... Maybe that's maybe that's why they renamed World War One to the Banal War. <laughs> Not so great anymore. <laughs> yeah, Jack. Uh, he he hands over command to Hollister, which is a good decision. Uh, probably the probably the best thing he could do uh, in every situation, to be honest. <laughs> and he heads off to his quarters because he's not had a chance to look at it since. Uh, well. Since ever, really, since the ship changed. And apparently, we learned that the in... I think we were questioning before whether the exterior or and the interior had both been changed, or just the exterior. But apparently, the interior of the ship also is changed. Um, but not completely, like in very specific ways. So his, yeah. his quarters is exactly the same, except it has a holographic image of the ship with its status above his bed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that that is like weird that that's the only thing. Like I thought, 
on this, on this ship, you know, exactly the same as the captain of a transport ship's room, but it's got a holographic display in the middle of the room. Mm. It's with a big ship spinning around on it. Wait, did it say above his bed? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he can turn it off. <laughs> of course, it, of course, he can't. Like a captain can never not have his mind on the ship. I'm guessing this is used as like a plot device later on, which is the reason why it's the only thing that's changed. I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> I, I can't rule it out, but it doesn't come immediately to mind. I just love the idea of like looking at a, a projection of your ship like, yep, that's my ship. I wonder if it like updates as the ship gets damaged, or well, if you, it is... <laughs> yeah, you see, I don't understand the description, really. It says, it seemed, it seemed the display could be changed to show the outside of the vessel, inputs from the sensors, or even from anywhere in the ship. What does that mean? Like, inputs from anywhere in the ship and sensors, or or views of anywhere in the ship? Uh, I'm not completely sure. It does also say that it has its status, whatever that means. I mean, I'm guessing another HP bar. Yeah. Energy. It's like, oh no, dust, 3% damage. <laughs> Raise deflectors. Uh, yeah, while he's checking out his new... Um, holographic image. Uh, there's a knock at his door, or a buzz, mm-hmm. I should say. And Toner is there, looking a little sheepish. Yeah. A bit somewhat coy as she starts talking. Yeah. Um, and of course, being the gentleman that he is, he invites her in. And they sit on the sofa that lined one of the walls in an L shape that had its back to the door. I'm not sure why that's described so in in detail. I yeah. How can it line a wall but have its back to the door? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Unless the like the L part of it, so I imagine the what how can any part of an L well, you have to assume so, that one side backs the door as it's back to yeah, the door. So, so I'm guessing like the little bit of the L is like poking out with the back of that bit to the door with like the thinking, long edge along the wall. I was thinking the other way in that like somehow it's in the middle of the room. But wait, no, why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it must be that somehow However there's... he's done this, it's like the worst possible way you could like plan out having an L shaped sofa in your room. <laughs> <laughs> Any way that involves having its back to the door is like not making the use of the fact it's, it's like corner shaped and putting it in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't know why. Tona seems unperturbed, so yeah. that's alright. He offers her um a, an alcoholic drink from the food reprimat, which I don't, I didn't know what that was. A food reprimat. Yeah, that that word quite triggered Louis. He didn't know what to do with that. All I found when I searched for it was like German industry buildings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was quite the authorial intent there. <laughs> but yeah, what is a food reprimat? Now, I now obviously this word's made up. So I'm just sort of like using my general sci-fi geek knowledge and trying to fill in the blanks here. But I'm assuming it's some sort of like uh some sort of like 
matter creator like used to create food and so you sort of like dial in what you want and it'll be like poof and like this thing will be made inside the replicator i like how he gets a drink from it. the food rep- rep- that. I'm, I'm guessing it's just a name <laughs> yeah and i like how she she drinks it with glee and downs mm. it in one gulp like which apparently la- is hilarious <laughs> and later on we find it's it's an ale Mm-hmm. Which, uh, um, you know, it's not like a shot or anything. It's you know, a, a, an ale. I mean, yet yeah. she does it. In, does it in one gulp. Not even like one. You know, she like downs it. She just like one just gulp. like manages like utterly open her throat and just pour it all down <laughs> yeah. at once. Just I wouldn't <clears throat> find that funny. I'd be terrified. <laughs> just straw pedo it. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For some reason, Jack finds this absolutely hysterical. Like he's almost <laughs> spilling his drink and has to like that, calm down. Put several... it down to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like again, okay, this is probably just worth worth re reading out. Just, just like mm-hmm. she took with glee and down the drink in one gulp, leaving Jack trying to keep a burst of laughter away. He failed. His laugh filled the room and Tona just stared at him as if he'd not done it as if she had not done anything wrong. What's the matter? she asked as Jack tried Brilliant. to calm down and not spill his own drink. Nothing. Just seeing your face after downing a full glass of Ilmarian ale, he let his laughter simmer into a chuckle before putting his drink on the side and calming down. I just <laughs> like Also, what's the matter? That's what both of our books say. That yeah. was that was like a t- I'm I'm guessing that was uh, that's a typo and that wasn't what the author pictured in this moment. <laughs> she suddenly Just, turned you know, into Mario. What's the matter? Jack, what's the matter? Why you laugh when I drink the Mario nail? <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, just the image of him like shaking, vo- like vigorously like, with laughter, utterly losing his shit in hilarity. Just yeah. after after she chugs down a drink, the funniest thing Jack has ever seen. Like spilling his drink everywhere, having to put it down, <laughs> chuckling, I just, and also like his explanation is weird. Like just seeing your face after downing it. Like not even what she did, but her face of like yeah and again it's like what does that mean because she she seemed to enjoy the ale like like you said she didn't notice anything wrong she's just like she just drank it down just like ah and there's like why are you laughing at me your face so <laughs> just like you looked so happy when you drank the ale hilarious that makes me happy spills drink Ooh, give me a second i need to put this drink down before i spill any more <laughs> Oh, we do have a laugh, Tona. <laughs> you can see why she likes him so much. Yeah, just like, apparently being laughed at for your drinking face is like the highest aphrodisiac we're going to find out later. Yeah, I'd be quite insulted, I think. <laughs> well, I'll just go then. <laughs> Fine, I won't drink this drink you offered me, bitch. After casually chatting, uh, Tona asks... <laughs> <laughs> uh, asks the real reason why she came here uh, to his quarters. She basically is questioning why he bothered to save her at all back in the station, and that she saw his. So this was amazing when I when I read this. Um, uh, Peter's book doesn't have this mistake, 
but so this is a mistake that was added this is a bonus one you know that was heavily considered and added to the final cut yeah i'll just read out the little sent that little sentence so she says why did you come for me when i was in the guards quarters you could have left me and gotten out even when i fell why did you not leave me and save yourself i saw your kinetic barriers display there's a comma between kinetic barriers and display it's just yeah like, mine doesn't have that but it's and, amazing and that's where the sentence ends display comma display and there's another bit in this chapter which i won't bother going to but where there's just a random comma again i, I wonder whether like on a re-edit he accidentally like just like lent his elbow on the comma <laughs> yeah because um, it's like it's not like it follows anything it's not like he could have been like controlled effed in there which i mean control effing like your novel is a horrible idea anyway but mm. you know at least you could understand that but no like he added a comma before display there how and why <laughs> and his response to why she uh Ooh, before this apparently one more hit and he would have been dead so we find out that they do have a lifespan and that, you know, maybe Jack shouldn't have been quite so gung-ho in just, you know, charging into the her bullets with Hollister shooting the back of his shield as well. Yeah, I just... Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> Apparently to careful. startle the enemy. You know, like... I like, absolutely, you know, like, you know, I can understand sort of, like, the importance of going there to shield Tona, despite the fact they didn't seem to be firing at her, mm-hmm. particularly until he f- got next to her. But, I mean, he had to get her out anyway, so yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> if, like, she was stationary on the floor, you would have thought they'd be able to hit her if they were trying to. Ali, like, they were they were clearly aiming for Jack and Hollister, and she was, and just, like, any shots near her were just, like, random, because they're awful, awful shots. Pretty convenient as well that they were, like, that he was one shot away. Yeah, I know, like... I know. I get. I guess that you could you could put that away as sort of like you know dramatization mm. on like tone as part as well. Yeah. It's like you know, I could see that you know, like the like the energy basically. bar was nearly yeah. empty. You know, it's like any second, but you know, it, but it is also just like you know, just so over dramatic anyway. And unlike, it's like one more shot, <laughs> <laughs> and you would have died for me, Jack. And uh, rather than give her the real reason, he gives her the false reason. He did not want to admit the real reason. The false reason is that you're part of my crew. And I like how it says, um, that usually was the reason that most people would accept, and then the conversation would end, and they would quickly move on to something else. As if, like, this is a situation (laughs) that has often happened, and, like, I don't understand. (laughs) He's, like, saying as if, like, oh, that would usually work in this situation. I've been in this situation so many times. (laughs) Even though he has no experience and doesn't know what's going on in a combat situation. Yeah, he, he knows, saved yeah. so many, the lives of so many, I'm, I'm assuming, women that he's romantically attracted to in a firefight. <laughs> yeah, this this really <laughs> he's gets He's got me. like... <laughs> like, his... She doesn't believe this for a second. And uh, she questions him like, we know this isn't the real reason. And he reveals that it is indeed not the real reason. That... Uh, Actually, he has feelings for her. I just... What a... Like... Self... Selfish... Like... I don't know. What a terrible reason to want to save someone's life. Like... I mean... It's not a bad reason to want to save someone's life. But... 
like, what am I trying to say? It's it, it is basically saying you know, it's like saying know, if, if I didn't. If, I if didn't you were an ugly you, man, I wouldn't have bothered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have left you there is to worth die. more because you're a hot girl. Like, yeah, that's basically the sentiment. You're part of my crew. Actually, sounds like a good reason. <laughs> Not like the fake reason is better than the real reason. Yeah, <laughs> it just seems so like shallow and. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> immature. Like, oh, I got to show how like. Hero- heroic I am. Exactly. It, you know, as you say, it turns out that the reason that, that he took Hollister and the insurrectionists to try and find her and, you know, and like stopped Hollister, you know, like his friend and, you know, second in command from getting back on the ship. Again, risked, uh, risked their life for, for this person who is part of their crew, but is also like, you know, an externally attached, like, science officer, basically, you know, risked all of their lives. Because he fancies her. You know, not thinking what's best for the crew. Entirely thinking with his dick. And it's not like, why did you save me? Oh, I don't know, because you're a human being who's about to die? Like, no, not that. It had to be that he fancied her. Mm-hmm. Also, I like how he, when she's like, you know this wasn't the real reason. Um, and it says that she was either opening her heart to him or that the ale had gone straight to her head on the first glass. I don't think that's mm-hmm. how alcohol works. I don't think you can get drunk that quickly. Although if although I've never seen anyone drink something in one gulp, so maybe drink an entire ale in like immediately just gone. I mean, that, that, that might have hit her stomach hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the fact that he even has that thought has added sort of like another level of weirdness to why what happens next is awful, but then as he as he tries and actually never quite finishes proclaiming like his feelings for her, Tona jumps on him, starts eating his face. Which turns into soft pecs. Yeah. <laughs> Changing from a hot, passionate kisses into soft pecs on their lips. Oh yeah. Get 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 used to that description of kissing. That's by far the most common use. <laughs> <laughs> Which hot passionate or soft pecs? Uh, soft packs. <laughs> nice. But yeah, and as the book says, it did not stop there. Soon the floor was covered in clothes, and a pair of black lace underwear hung on the holographic projector <laughs> on the ceiling, <laughs> spinning around above their bed as they do the deed. <laughs> the tranquility is just watching on disapprovingly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not on my... Not inside me. <laughs> and as all this unfolds, Hollister comes to try to, and is about to knock on the door to inform Jack of something. But hearing the commotion, he steps away with a smirk creeping across his lips. It's such a weird, like, addition to this whole event. Like, he didn't need to turn up at all. <laughs> Why? It's going to... Hollister has to know. <laughs> this could have just been like a thing that happened between them. But Hollister was like, no, he's Hollister got to get involved had in this. to be there. Yeah. You can't. Jack come on. Was... Jack can't do anything without Hollister. I'm surprised Hollister didn't come in and start like yelling out instructions for him. <laughs> I wonder if Jack could feel Hollister's presence outside the door and it spurred him on. <laughs> Also, isn't Hollister supposed to be in charge? What's he doing, like, roaming? <laughs> roaming the corridors and smirking outside Jack's door. 
<laughs> just uh I, I like to imagine that Corporal Franks is just like on the bridge, like, I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> oh, like, That's why we never hear from him again. He fucks up so badly, he gets put on like low duty while <laughs> <laughs> Hollister's over here. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point to leave me on to. Like, I'm going to mention this a lot more as like bits of it become apparent in the book, but I just want to make a general statement about how awful this relationship with toner is for a captain of the ship basically and just like how like thoughtless it it is like 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 for a bit of context like the the first series of star trek that has captain kirk like one of the like the main driving points of his character is he's like a total horn dog but he can't have a relationship with any of the women on the enterprise because of how bad for everyone that would be that comes up a lot <laughs> because it would be you know you can't have a you can't have a relationship with one of your crew members without you without you like basically favoring hurt them in some way without mm-hmm. it having some effect on your relationship with them and by sort of like and by influence the rest of the ship you know any any good thing you do for them will smack of nepotism and, you know, anything that you get that others don't, it'll seem like favouritism. It'll foster resentment between, you know, not just against you, but also against them for being the captain's favourite. It's not good for anyone involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, even if he felt this way, which, seeing as he risks his bloody life just to save her because he's attracted to her, he clearly does. But, you know... The, the thing to do would be not to have anything to do with it. Like, the only way it would be even slightly permissible would be if he made if he made Tona, like, utterly a civilian. Like, she literally was not a member of his crew. You know, she had no input or say on anything. She just had to, like, sit in, like, a room all day. Like, that's the only way. And even that would be fucking creepy for a whole host of other reasons. But that's the only way that it wouldn't have some sort of undesirable impact on his role as a captain of the ship. And I also, you know, want to also add that, you know, uh, you know, he's now having sex with who I'm guessing is a fairly, you know, you know, see, seeing what a state she was in at the end of the last chapter, you know, after nearly being raped, killing four people, nearly being shot to pieces. Now, just a second ago, he was thinking, is she so drunk after having that one ale? And now, he, you know, you could, like, don't get me wrong, she's clearly into it in the moment, but you could definitely make a big case that he is, well, he definitely is abusing his position of responsibility just in being a captain and having a, uh, and having a relationship with one of his crew members. But specifically in this moment, you know, straight after such a high stress and awful situation with a drunk girl, you know, this is a drunk girl who is half his age, may I add, this 40-year-old man and, like, 22-year-old girl. You know, it doesn't paint Jack in the best of pictures. That's all I'm saying, and... Believe me, as events happen later on in the story, I'm going to have a lot more to say about this. But yeah, that basically rounds out the overall thrust of why it's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it it is always it all has always seemed to be like a kind of creepy, uh, leering, you know, relationship. Not mm-hmm. I don't know. He just sort of like lusts over her. It seems in like quite a weird way. Um, yeah. To, to a degree that he puts himself and his crew members in danger yeah. to save her. 
But yeah, like, like, you... like no calculus over what's best for the crew, just how can I rescue Tona? You're forgetting, though, like, all that stuff did happen to her, but she had a bath, remember? Oh, yeah, she's clean now. Yeah. No stank of no pants guard on her. <laughs> so that must have completely settled her nerves. Oh, yeah, and in, in the next section, you know, they talk about how they spend the ger- her journey heading towards the insurrectionist base. And, you know, there's, like, this paragraph, which I won't go through in detail, but basically there's, like, they're trying to work out what, what exactly happened. And, like, Tona says, well, it can only be recreated if we, you know, find another wormhole and, and use the warp drive again. I'm just saying, like, recreate what? Like, get home? Are they as... Like, so I take it that... Well, yeah, I guess from the way it works that the wormhole didn't do that before because they never travelled through the wormhole. Mm-hmm. They just ran the warp drive by a wormhole and that apparently sw- flips them through dimensions. But I like the fact, you know, there's no actual attempt to explain why this is the case. Tona just said, this is the only way that we can do it again. Yeah, it's also No quite justification sh- at all. It's quite strange that it's like, whatever this thing is that takes them to another dimension... It just so happens that if you do the exact same thing, it takes you back to the same dimension you just came from, not one of the other inf- infinite. I guess dimensions. they're just assuming that. Like I, I would have thought for you that you know it could take them fucking anywhere, as well. But I don't know. I guess that's what they're just hoping. Just like we don't know how it works, you know. Can't can't be any worse than this dimension. Let's see what happens if we do it again. I mean, yeah, I'm still not convinced that they even know how they can even be sure that they're actually in another dimension. That's like big leap. It's uh, never I would I would say like an alternate evil version of people you know is a pretty good indicator. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Fargus might have just like gone rogue one night. They they were gone for a few hours or a few weeks, depending on how we're measuring time. <laughs> and he didn't recognise Jack. <laughs> he is 93. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> also, the space station did get hold to fuck. I mean, I, I think we're going to have to just take everyone's word on it that they're in a new dimension. Mm. Like I, I can, I can understand you being sceptical due to how little sense it all makes, but I think we're just going to have to take it in both hands and run with it, because it's as close to a grounding influence as we're going to get in this plot. <laughs> yeah, and I have some, and I have a sort of like sentence that I'm going to basically take far more seriously than was intended and run with for probably the rest of the reading. Uh, so in the next bit, he's. He mentions that he spent time getting to know Tona, inviting her to join him at the captain's table with Hollister and the senior staff. Then he mentions Jack always liked to get to know the crew, and he had spent the first six months of his time as the captain of the Tranquility, inviting every crew member to join him at the captain's table. So, I'm assuming that that, 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 that means he managed to dine with all of the members of the crew in that six months. Yep. The fact that he specified that. So let's just t- take a messy average, as we don't know what months, and say that 30 days a month. So that means that there's 180 crew, bar I'm barring Jack Hollister and Tona from this, on the Tranquility. And it's like, yeah, so 
that means that, you know, seeing as there are three people to do every job that like so that the ship can run 24 hours, that at least 60 people are needed to be running the ship at any one time comfortably or at least have work to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this... I, I personally think that that's possibly... This, I can't decide. It, it feels small for a battleship, possibly quite large for a trading ship, but we never really got a good sense of scale of just how big a trading ship the Tranquility was. So I wouldn't say unreasonable. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to keep that number in mind as this book goes on and the death toll rises. Because I think that... I don't think that we're going to explicitly run out a crew, but I think that we're going to start running with a real skeleton operation as things move on. So how many people did you say there were? 180. 180. So, let's see where we are so far. Apparently, nobody died when the ship was being fucked by the wormhole right at the beginning, despite the fact it destroyed like 70% of the ship. But apparently everyone was fine. No, No explicit casualties there. Two of them have died as envoys, so, you know, not, not that much. 178 people left. Plenty, plenty. I mean, no no specific casualties when the ship was assaulted by Fargus and he managed to break on, apparently. So let's, 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 let's assume that, you know, Hollister runs a tight ship. Nobody died. Of course. No word on, as I mentioned last week, if the rest of Hollister's, like, attack party that he sallied out with died or not. I mean, I'm going to assume they did. Yeah, because they got, certainly got separated. Yeah, they got separated in an ambush and are never mentioned again. I mean, it seems a fairly safe assumption. So I'd, I'd, I reckon, you know, a team of six people, including Hollister, that seems like a reasonable, like small, like mm-hmm. commando attack force out onto the ship. Probably. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep. Two numbers. I'm going to have an explicit one and a probable one. So explicitly, 178. Probably 173. There's, you know, that that doesn't seem significant now, but there are going to be some big chunks taken out of that number later on. And yeah, just something to keep in mind. Nice. We'll we'll be revisiting this. And uh, while we're on this topic, as it says he spent he spent he spent the first six months uh, dining with each of the crew, and from what I can tell, it's like an individual dining experience because it seems to be in his quarters the the the, the uh, dining, or is that? Because I don't know. Because at the top it says at the captain's table with yeah. Hollister and his senior staff, but then in the next thing he talks about how he's having lunch with Toner and dinner with Toner in his quarters. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know where he eats dinner. As you were saying, if there's thirty days in a in a month and six months, one hundred and eighty days. That's like, if it is individual, that's like a meal a day with a crew member. That's mm-hmm. dedication to get to know your crew. Yep, like every and again, that's like this is like assuming that every possible dinner he didn't have like one in his quarters like this. Everyone was at the captain table with a crew member for every single day for six months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hundred and eighty men. I'm go- I'm gonna make hay with this. <laughs> oh yeah, and another thing like. It mentions of Tona. She was much smarter than she played herself yeah. out to be. Uh, I'm, ju- I'm just going to say, Lewis, show, don't tell. Yeah, I mean, a few paragraphs earlier, it was saying, actually, a paragraph earlier, 
it was saying how her Tona, um, not her and Tona, her and Jack and Hollister were, you know, working out the science as to what happened, and she came up with the explanation of, you know, how they could possibly get back. So it's, you know, she's obviously a smart person. Like, as you said, there's been no evidence to show that she's in, at all dumb or anything. Mm. She managed to get, you know, fight off three rapists. <laughs> uh, she was a scientist, apparently. She was. And we get, we learn a bit about her father, who was a high-ranking officer on a ship known as the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just want to make a quick comment about this that's only... I mean, it's basically tangentially connected to the book by an omission. So, like, d- despite the fact that we worked out, I basically, you know, that they explicitly don't have faster than light travel, but they definitely do, <laughs> judging by everything else in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, aside from the fact that they say they don't have faster than light travel, they definitely have to, or like nothing happening would be viable. Everything would take years yep. and years to do anything like you know uh, like earlier in this chapter like they mentioned that the insurrectionist base is only a few light cycles out well they can't even travel up at the speed of light so that would take them at least like two <laughs> years to get there but apparently, apparently not days. Yeah. yeah so so you know that's definitely faster than light travel so yeah that's just something that some good sci-fi books i've read have dealt with is sort of like how in a situation where you have faster than light travel people on ships are going to age way slower than people living out their life on a station because of like the time dilation from people moving faster than light so you know that's just an interesting sci-fi concept that's utterly ignored here you know like you know maybe like toner's parents because of this were only like 25 when they died or something because they spent all their time jumping about in space mm-hmm. when toner was on station all the time learning and shit you know maybe <laughs> Like maybe that's why maybe that's why Jack's maybe Jack's only like physically like twenty, but by like working by like galactic standard cycles because of all the space jumping around, you know, he's lived like twice the life that he's basically had as far as the universe is calculating time. So like I say, nothing to directly do with the book, just an interesting concept utterly ignored that I thought that jumped out at me and I thought I'd point out. Yeah. Carry on. I don't think there's much to be said about her father, in, except that this Leviathan ship disappeared several cycles ago and is presumed destroyed, but never actually confirmed. I'm guessing this is going to come up later on. Nope. Oh. I genuinely thought this was setting up some sort of, like, redemption story, you know, where she finds her father... Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking that while I was rereading this. Going, it's like you know, this is this is like sort of like ooh, hanging mystery. You know, just like uh, like seeds planted. Just like oh, you know, just like they found some of the wreckage, but not all of it. But no, I mean, we got to remember this is a planned trilogy. Maybe it does come up again later, oh. but it does not come up again in this book. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'm more than willing to accept the fact that Lewis has forgotten he ever wrote this paragraph, so <laughs> probably not in the other books either. <laughs> While they're talking... Um... While Jack is nodding along, just yeah. like going, yes, yes, your yeah. parents are dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the buzzer by the table goes off, and it says here, it let out a shrill speech. 
It's odd. Um, yeah, a, a very strange way to put a siren. Yeah, let out its, its shrill speech. Just like ev- everything about that's weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just... <laughs> um, and it's Hollister asking... Uh, or telling Jack that they have arrived at the coordinates of the system that contain the insurrectionist headquarters orders. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I like... This is quite nit- nitpicky, but... They're, if they're so close to their destination, this supposed insurrectionist base, like headquarters, why is Jack having dinner at this time? <laughs> like, it, again, it sort of sort of goes back to what you were saying of like favoritism. Like he's so enamored enamored with Tona that he, you know, has to have dinner with her when they're like approaching a potentially hostile environment. Yeah, he's like entirely lost visibility of like the actual mission and journey. And as you say, he's just whining and dining his new squeeze while just like Hollis like, oh yeah, you know, Jack, we're actually here. Like, Have you yeah, been I, following the course? I imagine it's not the kind of thing that it's suddenly like, and we're here, suddenly. Like you're, you would approach. Yeah, just like, you know, they, they should have had like an ETA set out for quite a while. Like, you know, it's like, you know, I could understand like, like you know, we're finally like ex-close guy thing. It's like, this is when you told me to tell you. But, you know, he should <clears throat> roughly know when they're going to be arriving there within a little. And you would have thought that he would have wanted to be like down, well, up on the bridge before that point occurred. Rather than being interrupted in dinner and having to be like, oh, yeah, yes, yes, Hollister, you do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, we've got a great bit of the chapter here where the author tells us that Hollister was always so strict with his intership communications. He was never as casual as Jack had always told him to be. One thing is that, how is what he said, like, strict, really? He, so what he said was, Captain, we have arrived at the coordinates for the system that contains the insurrectionist headquarters. Orders? I mean, just like, yeah, like, you know, there's no banter or anything. It's it's quite to the point. But again, what more is there to add? You know, when you're interrupting your captain having dinner, just like, what does he expect from Should him? Should have been like, oi, Gov, we're here. We're here, by the way. Come on. What's more casual, please? Yeah, that's yeah. that seems like an odd example to pick out. Because, I mean, like, like I say, it's, you know, it, it's quite dry, but there's nothing like... Like, you know, super formal and regimented about it. No, he's telling yeah, him we're here. <laughs> Quite simply. Yeah. And I like how Jack is... He's so, like, invested in trying to get Hollister to be casual. He always tells him to be casual. Even ordering to be him... Even ordering him to be himself for one night during dinner. Uh, and then after a few ales... He a did, few Katarina ales. Yeah. He did become himself, and Jack never asked him again. To <laughs> to himself. <laughs> too real, too much unfiltered Hollister. Go back. <laughs> this isn't the Hollister I hired. <laughs> just just like uh, imagining like Jack in the corner, you know, like in in shredded clothes, <laughs> with with Hollister just like laughing and drinking ale, like casting a shadow over, just like Hollister, please. More casual. Don't drink another ale. <laughs> what on earth happened? <laughs> uh, like, like not even just like that's like, oh, that was quite a night. It's like I am never ordering him to be himself again. That's just like so strong. <laughs> never again. I just wonder why this was the time for the anecdote of, for this author to tell. 
like why ever tell this anecdote but why now <laughs> again I'm glad like he did <laughs> yeah not after a particularly strict communication but just oh we need to, we need to know this yeah apparently. or or even like a case of like Hollister's idiosyncrasies or anything just like you know like a dry but entirely functional and sensible message it's like oh that Hollister he's so tight and buttoned down mm-hmm. but oh if you get him out of his shell never again <laughs> I was like, where the fuck did that come from? And was there, was there nothing more to that story? You know, like, maybe it would have been quite interesting to find out what happened, you know? Exactly, like, is Hollister a space racist? Did he start spouting <laughs> off? I want to know! <clears throat> I guess it's maybe a good thing, because, you know, exactly. it, it it's keeps leaving Hollister... Our fertile... Also, it's leaving our fertile imaginations to think of all of the wacky situations that Jack and Hollister could have gotten into that evening. Yeah, and it keeps Hollister pure and, you know, shrouded in, in like, mystery to us. Yeah, it allow, allows him to maintain his sort of, like, aura, aura of infallibility. Yeah. It's good. Except when he's smirking outside doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's hard to reconcile. <laughs> That's quite strange. <laughs> His moment of I weakness. I just like to know. <laughs> a glimpse of what happens when he drinks the catering. Yeah. <laughs> Jack couldn't handle all the smirking. <laughs> and as Jack's sort of like talking to them about their protocol for going into the bridge, is like, bring us in slow. I'll be on the bridge in a few minutes. After he's finished his dinner with yeah. his new lady, nice to see he's got his priorities straight. He's like, keep kinetic barriers down, but ready. See, in your oh, book, no, wait, it, but d- ready, the short-range defence turrets, sorry. Does it say kinetic barriers? Oh, no, mine just says kinetic barrier, yeah. sorry. And kinetic barrier is capitalised. Yeah. Keep yeah. kinetic barrier down, but ready, the short-range defence turrets. So, like, I don't know, so he's... He's making himself actually vulnerable, I guess as a show of good faith to the insurrectionists, but he is literally ready to start blasting shit as soon as yeah. like anything happens. This, though. Su- this supposed captain who doesn't have any experience and doesn't yeah. know what to do. Let's fuck also him up. Just, just another thing, like, I like the fact that he just take caps off a few plasma torpedoes. I just like the idea that in this sort of like, like super high-tech battleship, you know, that like People have to manually, un- <laughs> <laughs> like in an so, old ship, yeah. someone shoveling coal into the engine. <laughs> but you know, they they have to manually take these caps off and arm them in their guns. Like you know, like I don't know. I, I guess you know that might all just be done by like a button press or something. But that's still just. But that's like such like a specific image that it. You know, it's not like. And also arm some plasma torpedoes or something. It sounds like there's like actual manpower involved in preparing the torpedoes yeah, to manpower be fired. That, manpower <laughs> that was previously completely inexperienced in this because they've only just got these torpedoes. Yeah, exactly. Like, like before, I think it said they had like two defense laser turrets or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, they they don't know how these torpedoes. Well, I guess they do. They fired off three earlier and utterly yeah with shit. with hundred percent success rate. All three. Yeah, they fired, destroyed all three. Results. <laughs> Not a single one missed. Um, and I like how as he stands up to finally leave after he's finished, he wipes his hands on his napkin. Like, was he eating with his hands? What's going on there? You don't, Maybe. Why would, Maybe. Like, I understand wiping your mouth, but your hands? Maybe he was, like, eating crab. 
cracking shit apart. Maybe that's how Got- you eat quam pie. I imagine that's all yeah, he eats. Yeah, just, just dig your hands in. Yeah. <laughs> that's how he nom, eats quam pie. <laughs> it's the only way a true connoisseur eats the quam pie. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about it. Just one last thing. The, him and Toner enter the bridge. Like, not not sure why Toner suddenly has, like, a place of, like, a uh, place on the bridge now, like... Like, uh, just automatically? Is it because she's sleeping with her captain? Do you really need an outside science officer on the bridge at all times? No. I think we're getting the first whiffs of nepotism here. But, you know, she's she's clearly an important member of the inner circle. Let's move on. <laughs> but no, but, but then it mentions that they've got an eye full of blue light from the system's blue giant star. Tona let out a long whistle as she saw it. And Jack thought, probably her first time seeing this kind of star. Just... Man, what a condescending shit. Yeah, he w- we were just told that she was born on... Like, he was nodding along to the story of her being born on a ship and spending most of her life in a space in space stations and planets. Like, she's not... F- yeah, she couldn't just be impressed by the wonders of the galaxy in no. general. No, she, had to, she couldn't have seen this before because Jack has to be better than her. <laughs> Toxic relationship. It's bad for both of them, I'm telling you. <laughs> but it feels so good. Yeah. And calling their insurrectionist guests to the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, what? they're going to... <laughs> <laughs> Why are they in the bridge now? <laughs> Everyone come along. Well, I guess I can justify... That one makes sense, because, you know, they're, they're going to hail the insurrectionists first, aren't they? So I guess they, they ought to be like, Hey, insurrectionists! We're here with your dudes. Yeah. They took us here. We're not going to kill you. Don't open fire kind of thing. Hopefully there's so little of these insurrections that they recognise these three crew random insurrections. That have, that have been in jail for an indeterminate amount <laughs> yeah. of time. You know, ho- hopefully that they all know who these people are. And, uh-huh, you know, yeah. and, that, and that, you know, rather than, uh, rather than having a sort of like cell-based uh, insurrection structure that everybody everywhere knows everyone at the ma- and the location of the main base because there's no way that information could get out to the empire. <laughs> but it's K. Yeah. Here they will find out if they had a friend in this new dimension or another enemy to add to their ever-growing list of one enemy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is technically a list. <laughs> I mean, it's grown from zero to one, so not not wrong. <laughs> and, yeah, that was chapter nine. Any more comments from you, Louis? No, a bit of a longer chapter than the last two or three. Yeah, g- gave us a little bit more to sink our teeth into this time. The other, like, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked at just how long the last two episodes were, considering just how little there was to both of those last two chapters. Yeah, it's taken nine chapters to get Jack and Tony's relationship to this level, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops over the next twenty-one chapters. Yeah, nearly there, guys. Next episode, that's going to be our one-third mark. We're doing it, guys. Soon we're going to have to start thinking about other books to read. Yeah, if anyone's got any uh, suggestions, let us know. Uh, You know, add some to the YouTube comments or tweet at us to Abs Bookends. Yeah. Please, someone, listen. (laughs) (laughs) 
anyway and on that note we shall both see you next week for episode 10 see ya bye